Father God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you pursue us. We thank you for Jesus and what he did on the cross for us. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood that you shed, that you make us white as snow, that we can stand before our Father in his presence, even, even though we are still making mistakes. We stand before the Father as he looks at Jesus, and we are there with you, Lord. Thank you for your spirit that empowers and strengthens us, Lord. I pray, Father, that as we hear your word today, Lord, your spirit would go out and would burn like fire in our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Jalise. Jalise, can I move this one? Okay. Good morning. When I wrote the little um, deeper reflection in there back in the fall, I was like, I got, I got it. I figured it out. And then I read it again in January, and I was like, I have no idea what Paul is saying. No clue whatsoever. And it stuck with me like the confusion until we'll see. That's all I could say is we'll see. Um, so we are in Colossians, the last part of the first chapter, moving into the second chapter. And the theme of this one is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Are there slides? Ah, there we go. Um, and I chose kind of this newsletter looking template because I just imagine it like, I think, I think um, Mark said it one time in a Sunday, like, imagine John MacArthur or John Piper or John Mark Comer, one of the Johns that you like, whichever category. Uh, imagine he wrote a letter to Creekside, right? And that's kind of how it felt as Deborah was reading this that first week, like a letter written to the Colossian church and they're listening and it's like, oh my goodness, it's Paul and he's writing to us. And so that's the image that I picture in my head. Um, we're going to take a look at, we're going to review a little bit of what Christy shared the first week and then uh, what Christina shared last week. So we can go to the next slide. Um, Christy talked about uh, the first part of Colossians, that we've been rescued from the domain of darkness, transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son. And now we get to find out what God has called you to so that you can live out and share in the inheritance of Christ. And Christina shared um, about Colossians 15 to 23, about Jesus is number one. He is king supreme. He was present at the birth of ever, the creation of everything. Everything is under his authority. And God the Father was so happy. He was so pleased to fill Jesus with the fullness of his spirit so that through Jesus, all the broken things of this world would be restored and that now there's an open door so that we can unite with God, even in the midst of our sin. So now we are at the next part of Colossians, 11 verses that were super confusing to me. Um, 
Verse 24, it says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my physical body for the sake of his body, the church, what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Now, this is not saying that Jesus lacked anything. Paul is referring to the birth of the church, and I think as women in this group, um, we can relate to the joy that we would be willing to go through for the sake of new life, right? We will joyfully enter into pregnancy, or joyfully, though so painful, maybe not joyfully in the moment, um, for the prospect of even being pregnant, trying to get pregnant, right? Or maybe joyfully going through the process of laboring and birthing a child. Or maybe those parts of pregnancy and birth were easy for you and, you, and you, it was difficult. The suffering of postpartum was difficult for you. Or maybe it's raising the teenager. There are, there's so much suffering in the prospect of this new life. And so what Paul is saying, that there is a new birth of the church that is forming. And I am rejoicing in the suffering over this church, the, the birth of the church. And he understands this because he was the first, he was persecuting the church before he became like Paul, right? He was the one that was putting people in prison and he was persecuting the church. And so now he's taking it all. He's like, yeah, people are wanting to stone me everywhere I go in the synagogues. People are trying to capture me and like put me in prison. People are trying to kill me. But hey, I rejoice because if the church is growing, hallelujah, glory to God. So that's what he's saying here about suffering for the sake of the church. And he uh, knew that this would happen. Jesus, the church hadn't quite started uh, when Jesus went back up to heaven. Um, and so he's saying that he is going to take on um, the suffering for the sake of the church. Verse 25, I became a servant of the church according to the stewardship or the divine office from God. From given to me for you in order to complete the word of God. And so here he's saying that God has called me to be, uh, to serve this church um, and to tell you the story of Jesus. Next verse, 26. Um, it was supposed to be a transitional slide, but you get to see Oprah. So, Okay, so it says, verse 26, that is the mystery that has been kept hidden from the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known to them the glorious riches of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what Paul is saying is there has been this mystery, this secret that's been kept hidden in the shadows of history all this time, and God is finally revealing it to his people. Right? Jesus came, and he came to the nation of Israel, and he presented himself, salvation, the Messiah, to the Jewish nation. Okay? And so what Paul is saying here is that this mystery, the secret of Jesus, is not just for Israel. It's not just for the Jewish people. It is for everybody. You get Jesus, and you get Jesus, and you get Jesus, and we all get to have Jesus. Right? The mystery is for all of us. And uh, it's the weight of this valuable treasure that's in Jesus. And in fact, Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that the anointed one is in us. Paul, I believe, used the word mystery because he was speaking to a group of Gentiles. Right? They once believed in, uh, they were like pagan worship. 
not God. And their type of worship, they relied on um, mystics or seers or um, oracles. Those divinely appointed seers were the only ones that can connect with the gods and understand the mysteries of the world. And so Paul is like, hey, I know you guys want to know the mysteries of all the world. And you're looking to all these places to find what that mystery is. But let me tell you, I already explained to you the supremacy of who he is. All wisdom and knowledge is in him. And guess what? He is actually in you. All the wisdom and all the mysteries and all the secrets that you want to know, he is actually in you and he can reveal them to you. And I think this part in bold, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this is like the crux of what it is for us. And so what I want to do in the next slide is I want to sit on this for a minute. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're going to do a little bit of abide practice. And I want you to maybe close your eyes. We're going to do a little bit of a picture it scenario. So I want you to picture our Father, our Heavenly Father, seated in his throne in heaven. Right? He has no shape, no form, but imagine what he might look like. And at the right hand of the Father is Jesus, right? the one who, um, the image of the invisible God, Jesus, standing at the right hand of his Father. Now, we understand that our bodies are made up of trillions of cells makes us who we are. And for the sake of our little tiny human brains that can't fully understand the fullness of God, imagine you being one tiny little cell that makes up the body of Christ. Put yourself in his body as Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have been removed from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's beloved Son, in whom the fullness of God dwells. And even though you occupy the tiniest little speck, smaller than a mole, it's enough so that the gates of hell cannot overcome you. Because now you, being in Christ, and Christ in you, you have all the authority that the Father has given to Jesus. You have that. Standing right there with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is sealed in you and you in Christ. This is the hope of glory that we need to carry with us every single day. Rejoice and be glad in it. And when you begin to forget that the glory dwells in you, it's a good sign for you to maybe reprioritize what's going on in your day and ask the Holy Spirit, remind me, hallowed be your name, Lord. I'm forgetting how holy you are. Remind me today and every day the holiness that dwells inside me. You can come back even though it's a great place to be. Verse 28, we proclaim him by instructing. Now, this word instructing is um, very similar to like admonishing or like warning. So if I drop off my kids at a friend's house and I say to them, be, be respectful. I'm instructing, but I'm really kind of like, you better be. 
right? And so I think Paul here is kind of giving a warning to the Colossians church, and he's saying, listen, you guys. And he's teaching them with all wisdom so that we may, uh, what does he say? Uh, By teaching all people with all wisdom so that we may present every person mature in Christ. What exactly does a mature follower of Christ look like? If we go back to verse 9, Paul has this prayer, and he's like, I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Paul was so certain of his calling. He knew that God called him to be an apostle, to lead Christendom into the nations that did not know him. He was so sure of it. He believed that God had given him the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and teaching. And so he's going out and he's doing all this work that God has called him to. And he understands what it means to walk in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord. And he is witnessing the the fruit of every good thing that he touches. He's witnessing it. And he's recognizing how the Spirit is increasing his knowledge of God. And he's recognizing that his strength is not his own, but it's from the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so in verse 29, he says, Toward this goal I also labor, struggling according to his power that powerfully works in me. It's not, he's saying, it's not me that's writing this letter. It's not me that's up praying for you all night long. It's not me that's waking up in the early mornings and praying for you. It's the spirit of God that is in me, that is working so powerful, powerfully for me, that's doing all this work. And so now we're in chapter 2, verse 1. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for those who have not met me face to face. In this one here, this verse here, I imagine Paul like contending with the Lord. You know, he's going to all these places, he's going to all these, like, or he went to um, all these churches, right? All these places around the Asia Minor. And he is unable, he's in prison now. He's writing from prison. He's not able to be there. And so in his spirit, he's contending, he's struggling, praying, writing letters doing all this work so that they can continue in the faith and knowledge and understanding that he has been teaching them. It's the same way I think that as parents, we pray and pray and pray for our children to know the Lord, right? I think it's that kind of struggle that Paul is having for the churches here. Like, I want you to know the love of Christ so deeply in your hearts, and he's struggling, wanting so badly for that. Verse 2, my goal is that their hearts, having been knit together in love, may be encouraged and that they may have all the riches that assurance brings in their understanding of the knowledge of the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That was a long one. This one here, I believe Paul is saying that uh, my earnest desire is that your hearts may be encouraged since They've been knit together in love. You were made out of love. This church has been knit together by love. My desire is that the Holy Spirit will pour out all the riches that our union in Christ assures us so that you'd be filled with the knowledge of Christ. And all the wisdom and understanding is hidden in the heart of Christ, who is, remember, he is in you. Like Paul is like reminding over and over and over, repeating the words wisdom and understanding over to the Colossians. He knows 
the church has heard the good news of the gospel, and he wants them to grow in a deeper understanding of it so that they can then make disciples and raise up more followers of Christ. And he's reminding them that everything they need, every understanding that they need, is in Jesus, and we don't need to look anywhere else. In the last two verses, verse 4, it says, I say this so that no one will deceive you through arguments that sound reasonable. Paul is saying this part because he's like, I don't want you to be persuaded by anything that sounds like a good argument. Even though it might sound reasonable, if it's not from Jesus, consider it a lie. He's the one that gives you wisdom and understanding. He's trying to remind them that Jesus is king supreme, preeminent over all of it. And, and they don't need to, their understanding um, before coming to Christ was like, oh, I had to do all these rituals and these rites. Oh, I have to offer these sacrifices. And then the mysteries will be revealed to me through the oracles and the seers. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. You don't need to do any of that. No rituals. You don't need any of it. And the same message is for us. We don't need to look to the cultural trends to tell us what to think. We don't need to look to this news station or that news station to tell us what we need to know about God. We don't need to look to political positions or we don't need to look to social media influencers to tell us what we need to know about Christ. He who knows all is already in us. We find understanding from the Holy Spirit. And if you're wrestling through something, pray about it. And if, until you figure it out, sit with it until God reveals to you something, and then bring it to somebody else. Take it to someone who, who understands scripture. I think it, it's dangerous when we sit alone, isolated, and we think we hear from God, and then, and then there's this kind of arrogance of like, well, I know it now. God showed it to me. I think there's an importance of being in community with each other, presenting, hey, does this feel right to you? This is what I'm sensing. This is what I'm getting out of this. Like, Work together, we are one body to help each other. Verse 5, though we are not physically together, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And so even though we're not physically together, he's saying, we're united in spirit, and I'm rejoicing. I'm rejoicing over your discipline and your firmness in your faith in Christ. Encouraging them. I was talking to um, a friend who goes to Trackside, and she was just saying how like she could really use just some encouragement about it. And I just think about Paul and like the churches and how, man, maybe it's like they're not seeing any movement, right? And they're feeling a little discouraged and like, am I here? Am I doing the right thing? Are we still, is this still happening? You know, is this whole Christian thing really still a thing? And Paul is writing to them. And it would be like any one of you here going to trackside, encouraging those who have been there faithfully every Sunday and saying, hey, God's doing a good work. So the summary for us, what does this mean? So this whole section, I think, summarized God's will for Paul was to be an apostle to lead Christendom into all the nations around him. He was assigned by God to teach them that God the Messiah came to Israel to reconcile the nation 
a Jewish nation back to God, but this reconciliation is actually for all of us, the whole world, not just Israel. And he was also warning them not to look anywhere else for wisdom and knowledge, not the old pagan ways, but just to Christ who was in them. Remember, God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in Jesus. Therefore, all the wisdom in all the world of all the universe is in Christ, and we are in him, and he is in us. I think about there's this like huge, giant thing that scientists are trying to create, and it's so big, it like stretches from two countries, like it borders two countries. And it's so huge, and what they're trying to do is like recreate the very first particle. It's, it's like this massive thing. Drew Walton probably knows exactly what I'm talking about, but I laugh at it because I'm like, they're trying to create, but God knows exactly what that little tiny little itty bitty bitty thing is. And here we have this massive structure trying to figure out what God has already made. So all the fullness of God's wisdom and knowledge is in Jesus, and he is in us. So what does this mean for us? Paul, verse 9, I've not ceased praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Last, back in the, I guess last year, um, when we did the women's retreat, I was asked to do the, um, one of the breakout sessions. And I was already a little nervous about it. It was kind of like, I won't say how last minute it was. <laughs> um, and then when I saw the list of people who attended or who signed up for this, I majorly panicked because I was like, there are so many people on this list who could do this way better than me. And I walked in, or I was in there, and everybody came filing in on the day of the retreat. And um, it, was second, it was the second session. And I said to them, I said, I'm looking around, and there are so many ladies here who could be up here doing this teaching way better than me. And Anna Higgins, who is not here by the spirit of whatever God gave her, rebuked it. And she said, that is the enemy trying to put doubt in your head. Stop it. You were called to this. Go. And I needed that. Like, I needed to snap out of my doubt. I have no problem. God has worked out. I used to shake and tremble and sweat and cry a lot. I didn't cry. Um, I, um, I don't have a problem holding a mic and talking to people. That doesn't make me tremendously nervous where I, like, I can't, I can't do it. I might shake, but, um, but I have doubt, right? That's my weakness. I, I, I don't think that may, I, I get intimidated by things. And I need someone in the church body who is gifted, who the spirit has gifted with a word of encouragement, with faith, with whatever, to pour into my weakness, to help me, to encourage me. If you did not listen to Mark's sermon from Sunday, listen to it, please. Because there is a gift from the spirit that he is wanting <laughs> Imagine if the Holy Spirit came upon you, right? And whatever gift, so the Spirit filled Jesus with the fullness of God. Oh, sorry, the Spirit of God filled Jesus with the fullness of who God was. So, God, so Jesus had every gift of the Spirit. He was healing. He was performing miracles. He was casting out demons. He was preaching the word. He knew the wisdom. He knew all of it, right? 
we are tiny little humans who can't, who don't have that. You know, we are not Jesus. If I had all that, I would be so arrogant and so like, I am awesome, listen to me. But God knows that I cannot have the fullness of who he is. So he gives me just a little bit. And he gives you a little bit. And he gives you a little bit. And he gives you the, the ability to heal. And he gives you the ability to perform miracles. And he gives you the ability to speak in tongues. And you to interpret tongues. And he gives you prophecy. And he gives you. We each have something that the Spirit is wanting to pour out. What is God's will for you? Because we need each other desperately. Right? Like if I'm up here and if Mark's over there teaching on Sundays and Nathan's teaching on Sundays and, and God has gifted these ladies to do worship, like these are bits and pieces of the body. Imagine if we all were living in the spirit by the will of God, what kind of church could we be? Right? I think that's what Paul is saying when he's saying, I pray that you will understand the will of God for your life. Live in it. Walk maturely in it so that when people see you, they see, oh my, wow, there's a spirit of God in that person. And if you don't know what it is, ask the people that are closest to you, what do you see in me? And if it resonates with you, last year, I did not know that I liked to teach. Priscilla just said, do it. And I said, okay. And then people would say to me, whoa, there's a gifting there. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, can you increase that? Can you show me more? And then I prayed. I said, Lord, I would love more opportunities to teach. And boom, I kid you not, before I finished that prayer, I got a text message. I was driving as I was praying. I got a text message, hey, can you teach on Sunday? That same day, two more people, hey, can you come to my church and teach? Hey, can you go to their youth retreat and teach? What is your will? What is God's will in your life? Sit. If you, are, if you don't know what it is, carve out space. Spiritual formation begins when we make space for the spirit to work. Make space for the spirit to work in your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to teach. I thank you, Lord, for all the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that you pour out from your spirit. And I pray, Father God, for a blessing of your spirit over these ladies, over the ladies at home who will be listening. And I pray, Father God, for a manifestation of your spirit. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will begin to reveal to this sister your gift, to that sister your gift, to our brothers. What do you want to pour out to our church, Lord? And I pray, Father, that we may walk in a manner that is worthy and pleasing to you, that everything we touch would bear fruit because of you and for your glory, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord, that when you look at your son Jesus at your right hand, you see us. I thank you that you have allowed us to be there with you. In Jesus' name, amen.